0: Hello, my friends, this is Brian Q. Davis, broadcasting from the Sales Warrior Podcast, a conversation about dominating your marketplace without sacrificing your body, your marriage, your children, or your soul. And today's topic is this, who am I to make him wait? Sit back and relax, and let's get started. So today's episode is going to be a very special one, a little bit different. I'm part of a small church plant here in Dallas, Texas, called Trinity Church, that's been around for... Five, five years or so. My wife, uh, Susanna, and I were called into that and called to help plant a church and uh, be part of, uh, of a, the building of a church. I'd always gone to church, but never been part of the building of one. And so it's been an, in- an incredible gift to me and my family. And uh, in the last several months, uh, as some things progressed, uh, our lead pastor, uh, Tim Roundtree, um, put out a call and said, hey, I've, uh, I need some help. And so as part of that, uh, he started a process of assembling additional men to help shepherd the flock, for lack of a better term. And in what is probably, I mean, without, without exception, one of the greatest honors and most humbling experiences of my life, I was asked to be a pastor elder in the church. And as part of that process over the last six, seven, eight months, um, through a lot of study and work, um, we came to this, this uh, day of ordination or recognition uh, of me and a few other men in our church that are going to be part of, be responsible and accountable for uh, the spiritual welfare, welfare of, our, of our community. And as part of that journey... Uh, we were asked to share our testimony and share how we came to know Jesus Christ, how we came to know the church, and uh, how, basically how we got from where, where we used to be to where we are right now, and, um, and also teach a lesson. So in today's episode, I'm going to share that, I'm going to share that lesson from our services on June 6th, and um, it'll give you a pretty broad overview of my entire life. It's probably one of the most vulnerable things I've done uh, and I would say that this podcast has pre- prepared me to put together that message um, So I thank you for listening and I thank you for witnessing and being part of the frame that helped me get from there to from where I used to be to the place where I could speak on these things so we'll just jump right into it right here and here is the um, here's my testimony and um, the message. Uh, from june 6 2021 thank you for listening uh, i pray that you'd be with him and what he has to say to us today i pray that we would walk away different and closer to you because uh because we got to hear from brian today in your name i pray amen thank you brother let's <laughs> start off crying um thanks tim thanks jamin um <laughs> I know I cry a lot. Oh, you're crying too already. Okay, (laughs) good. Susanna's crying. Not alone. Okay. Um, So um, I found myself on a beach in December in Southern California. I was with some guys that I run with um, where we spent some time trying to hear God, hear what he has to say to us. And I was out there on that beach, and it's beautiful. Part of the thing that I was doing was, uh, you know, trying to figure out, hey, 20, 2020 was a, was a beast. What's 2021 going to be like? And um, I'd had some big targets, some big goals, some amazing big things. I was sitting there looking at them on paper, and I'm like, how can I do it how can I do it it's so big it's so big okay all right all right we just like get ready it's time to grind We're wish we're gonna grind and then I heard the little voice say doesn't have to be hard what what he said well, why don't you just quit trying to cast your nets where you think you need to cast them and cast them where I tell you I heard that cast your nets. I'm like, wait a minute, that's in scripture. Where is that in scripture? And that's exactly where we're going to start today. So I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 20. We're in 21, but we're going to start a few minutes before, a few, a few lines before that, because it's all going to come together. So stick with me. So I did the same thing. I was like, wait a minute, cast your nets. Where is that, John? I went and looked. There's an important thing in Trinity Church is this line. I was pointed to this by Pastor Pastor Rory Clark, if you're listening. You pointed me to this this morning. Thank you. He said, make sure you start with John twenty thirty-one. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We come back to that, but let's talk about what happened uh, in John 21. Now this is happening... Uh, A few weeks after the resurrection, Jesus has already appeared to the disciples or the apostles a few times. They've seen the risen Lord. They've gone, oh my, you know, this is amazing miracle. The, you know, the Messiah truly has risen. And we find out what they're doing. And probably three to three to four weeks after that time. Now, Jesus had said, go to Galilee and wait on a mountain that's appointed. I want you to watch what they're doing. After this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to, they said to him, We'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, when you look back on this, and we'll come back to it, that I'm going fishing is not just I'm going to go cast a rod. That's I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. Just as day was breaking, Jesus said on the sh- st- Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, and put on his outer garment, for he was stripped from work and threw himself into the sea. That's typical Peter. just jumping, jumping you know, <laughs> jump in the water, and he's about a 100 yards from sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. He left his buddies. They were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal, charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, John do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him for a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then he said, this he said as to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. Lord, I ask that you bless this time. Um, This may be, I'm going to share my story, but I ask that this... um, really be less of me and more of you Um, Lord please bless this time let your spirit move and uh, let me be your instrument so I went and read that and on one hand I got this like great like awesome I get it like just cast your nest where God tells you and you're gonna pull in a giant bunch of fish Beautiful, I love that. Like, oh, okay, that's how we go get more sales. If you don't know me, I'm in sales, business development. been doing that for 20 years. That's my whole game. Um, I thought, cool, that's how we'll get all the sales this year. I'm just going to go ask God where to sell something, and then I'm going to do that, and that's part of the big targets. Um, But as I came back and started studying this in preparation for this, I started to look at, okay, wait a minute. It's not not nearly that simple and there is a, tell you, there's a, there's a huge gift in, in the ability to go back and teach this because just like Peter Peter in that moment was the height of disobedience to what God had told him to do he had been given all of these things and he was at the lake he was not at the mountain that day God said go Jesus said go to the mountain and he says I'm at, by the lake of Tiber- the sea of Tiberias that is not the mountain Peter and oh yeah by the way you brought six other guys with you so I started thinking about this, and just like Peter, I, I said, you know what, my walk, when I started to reflect on this whole thing, about thinking about the questions that Tim had laid out for us, how did we come to know Jesus, how did we come to Trinity Church, and, how did, uh, and what is our vision for Trinity Church, I realized that my story is <laughs> Peter is just like us, he's just like me, I'm just like him, full of tests and failure after failure after failure, and yet the whole time, Jesus has been walking there. So a little bit about my story. I grew up in North Louisiana, um, and a small town most of you know that uh, grew up primarily Catholic. Um, that was my mom's side of the family was Catholic. We went to the little Catholic church there. And uh, I love that. I love I love the structure of Catholicism. I loved the um, check the box. There are a lot of boxes to check. Uh, and I loved that. I thrived on that. In fact, I was thinking about this, and my dad, who's here, may remember this. In fifth grade, I had had a perfect attendance at school, and I really got bent out of shape when I got the chicken pox and missed a day or like two days. I was remember I remember the throwing the fit. I kicked something, and I was, you know, because I was going to miss a day at school. But I loved that uh, that built in like achievement, like tick the box. Get the score, win the game, That's just that's been, that's been part of my DNA, probably from my dad's side. But this idea of like, I, I applied that same thing to what I believe was the way you related to God. And so I grew up in this world of check the box. And I thought I, I was the best altar boy. I was there every Sunday, never missed catechism, was 100%. I loved it. I could check all the boxes, the best attendance at, at catechism. And this was great. And I went to college. Okay, where's the church? I'm going to be the best reader at that church lectern. I'm going to read every Sunday. I'm going to do the thing. And then in uh, 1995 my mom got sick with cancer. For the first time in my life, my faith was actually tested. And so, all right, Let's go. Got the rosaries. Got the prayers. Got the things. I'm going to full tilt I'm going all in and I did that thousands thousands of rosaries and hail Marys and all kinds of things and then my mom died and looked like a concentration camp video, victim when she did and after that when the quid pro quo was not on point I didn't get the deal you I, I did the thing you asked me to do and it didn't happen For lack of a better term, I said, F you, God. Whatever. You didn't hold up the end of the bargain. What was all that? Was all that perfect attendance? And so from there, through college, played rugby there. Rugby led me to move to California. Uh, And I moved to California in that place of rejection. Rejection of God. Like I was in a place of rejection. Spiritual, maybe. I don't know. Never really thought about it because I moved to California. When I moved to California, I had this ambition of, oh, wow, I'm going to go play rugby. I'm going to, then I got into business and then somebody brought me into sales. Oh, wow, another game I can play. And there's a high level of achievement. There's a scoreboard. I can go and I can try to win. And in that land of California, in that place, it was very much a culture. And I found myself very much in a culture of a land of self. Like Self. And that rejection that I had for God at that time, and I mean, again, living in Southern California as a 23-year-old with a bunch of other rugby guys, and it was all about rugby and partying and this, that, and the other, and it was just, you know, rugby and work, and that was it. But zero, with no compass. None. No compass. I never had a compass. I thought I did, wasn't a compass. And that rejection turned to from rejection, it became rebellion. What it started as just rejection. Ah, no God. Turned into when I was in California and around a bunch of other people that were in open rebellion too. I said, "I'm let's, that feels good. Let's just do that," which meant that I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, whatever. <laughs> that open rebellion, you know, lack of a better term. As again, <laughs> one of my pastor buddies. Rory Clark would say that, you know, lascivious lifestyle, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Whatever goes. That, re- that rebellion ended up being moving to a place, rebellion led to the shame and guilt that moved to a place of now I'm not just in rebellion, I'm in, in the game of invitation. I'm inviting darkness into my world. Like, I am I am so far from God, it's unreal. And in those days and years of rebellion, I found myself to a place of even violation of myself. At one point in a place so low that I was sexually violated. Some of you know this. And I look back on it and I go, "Was I'm a victim? No, I I invited that. I was that far away. (sighs) And that secret and other things loaded me with shame and guilt and trauma. And I should have been in a ditch. Like that's, I should have been in a ditch. But then, and that was 10 years, Give or take. And then, (laughs) I guess, 11 years this weekend ago, I got an email that said, hey, I see you're from LSU. This is on Match.com. Hey, I see you're from LSU. I'm a Southern girl, too. We ought to be able to be SEC buddies amongst all these Pac-10 fans out here. Signed. Susanna, which was my mother's name. I better pay attention to this one. Now, her pictures were kind of foggy, and they weren't gray. They were, lo- gray. They were grainy on the match.com, and you know I could tell it was a little bit grainy. If anybody did, like, if wants to see the actual pictures later, I'll show them to you, because she always says, you hated my pictures. I didn't hate the pictures. I just couldn't see you. But I was like, okay, Southern girl, she went to Georgia. My response was, okay, well, look, um, I don't know about being friends with somebody from Georgia, but we can get together and hate Florida together. (laughs) Fast forward on June 12th, 2010, we had our first date. And I show up, I'm a few minutes late because of traffic. And I walk through the hedge, walk past this little hedge, and I can see the little table over there. And I see this, I mean... Five foot seven supermodel. Nothing like the pictures. I, was, I wasn't intimidated. I was, Mr. Certainty, I'm walking right in there. I'm good. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Oh my, okay. All right. So she's, we got to come in and I'm like, hey. And she goes, a second. I was like, she thought I was the waiter. <laughs> she stands up, gives me a hug. We sit down and it's absolute fireworks the next like 48 hours 72 like the next week just absolute fireworks i am a hundred percent in love she is the girl of my dreams in every single way and then on like that thursday i think we'd even told each other we loved each other by thursday (laughs) no maybe it's the next Thursday maybe I said it I don't know okay I said I love you then by then I was uh, but, but she, then she followed that up with okay yeah cool now here's one thing you need to know if you want to date me you got to come to church with me I'm like okay you're hot I'll do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, she so I go to the church Compass Bible Church, Pastor Mike Fabara is out there. She had been going, she had been baptized one year before. After some tough things that she had gone through in her life, she had realized that she also hadn't had the right compass. But she found it at this church. Strangely enough, it's called Compass. So she brought me there and I went to church and I'm like, okay, I'll just go, whatever. Uh, um, and then for the first time in my life, I actually heard the Bible taught. Very simple frame. Hey, Compass Bible Church, we're going to teach the Bible, we're going to read some, we're going to talk about it, we're going to pray, the end. What? That's different. And that led to a place where I said, okay, um, wow, let me investigate this. The Bible is not what I thought it was. It's not a collection of legends, it's not a this, that, and the other, it's not a thing where it's because the translations make it whatever, all these doubts, all these things the world labels and puts around the most powerful weapon in the world. So that started my journey. Um, But not long after that, after going to work at a new job, which again, great ambition, it's awesome, it's a new thing, new challenges. Um in that job, moved here, moved to Shreveport, moved to Louisiana, uh, got to a place where then things were going good, all these things, we're gonna build, 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 it's awesome. And then I got fired on a Thursday. Actually, it was on her birthday. Susanna's birthday, 2011. I get fired after moving everything. And I have this massive blow to my certainty and to my self-worth. And to everything that you know, wait a minute! I'm the, I thought it was, I was—I was supposed to be this guy, and I just got fired, like in a back room, like two in the back of the head kind of thing. It's <laughs> what it—kind of what it was. Jamie knows; <laughs> he saw it. But but in reflection, I realized like that that moment. I mean, it was actually one of the best things that it's ever happened. People talk about it. It's one of the best things that ever happened. But what it what it did to me was it really messed with my self worth. And I thought, wait a minute, the only th- I've got to build this back. I am mean, ambition and ego came right back. Now I had the seed of the Bible. I had the seed of there's something here. That job then. Led to another that, that moment led to another job that had a scenario where I was doing traveling between Shreveport and Dallas like every week. Long commutes. And in those commutes, I was listening to Pastor Mike his, his course on Bibliology. And in this place of Bibli- learning about the Bible, I was like, I remember it. I was like, on the way to Dallas or on the way back? And it just clicked. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is true. This is really true. Like, it's not just a book. It's God's breathed truth into the world. It is nothing like what the world has said. And so I had that. And I was like, okay. That became a lifeline. But I still had this overwhelming ambition, this overwhelming thing that says, I've got to go do this thing. I've got to build. And that led to more and more of like this thing of, now I have a family. I'm moving to a place where we've had any grace. We're here. And... But I'm at another job and I'm like, okay, got to build. That's my worth. I'm supposed to be the top guy, I'm supposed to be the new guy. I've got to go build. And I started unknowingly sacrificing things to a new idol. That idol of that number, that idol of the ambition around that, the idol of the identity of the best sales guy, 40 pounds overweight on the way to being addicted to porn, lies, traveling all the time, willing to not, not think about the consideration of how my actions affected Susanna and Annie Grace. But amongst all of those things, we started thinking like there's something here on back to the Trinity Church. We said we had a little bit of a calling. We're like, wait a minute. We're not, there's no church here. We were going to Barad Ministries online. Cause that was the only thing we could find that we, that was a not the only thing we could find, but it was a, it was a place where we connected. Uh, but we weren't, didn't have a local church and we had a thing. We said, well, maybe we should just, maybe we should just make one. Um, we almost did. And it was about that time that, and we, I had, I had met a homeless man, <laughs> long story there named Kevin that had, uh, had, had, you know, I was like, and I have this man preach. He knew the Bible, and I had this other musician friend we We're going to do that. And then about that time, Trinity Church, the Easter, Easter service started. And again, it was another little lifeline from Trinity Church. But I still hadn't changed my behavior. Because fast forward another two years, I found myself in February of 2017 um, with the arrival of a new daughter, who many of you know but that previous quarter I, there had been a thing where the numbers were down and I needed to figure out a way to fill the gap and so without I was thinking way more about that than the arrival of my daughter second daughter and I had booked up eight out of the next nine weeks of tra- after her birth with travel to go get clients but I never considered the fact that what we found whenever she was born, which was that she was born with club feet. Fast forward 10 days after she's born, Perry is there. She's crying nonstop because they put the first set of casts on. I'm actually leaving the next day. I'm trying to get a sales presentation done. Baby's crying, been crying for 24 hours. Susanna's crying, it's midnight, and I finally walk out and I. Can we shut the F up? To my wife, who's crying, and a crying baby. So much for me being, you know, the guy, you know, the good Christian father. And I walked back to past the bathroom and looked in the mirror, and I just looked at this guy, and I was like, who? I was, again, 40 pounds overweight, lying not telling the truth and I looked at him and I said who, like, who is this guy about four or five days later I saw an advertisement for an organization called Wake Up Warrior and it resonated with me uh, Wake Up Warrior has a, has a radical concept it has two there's two there's all this crazy crazy stuff you maybe have seen things about it looks like a bunch of Navy SEAL stuff but that's not really what it's about it has a radical concept of just two things number one stop lying number two tell the truth that's it full stop I saw that and it convicted me to start telling the truth and stop lying. But what would that even look like? What would even happen? How do I do that? And that led me to to go down a path of coaching and events and things where I was searching and I felt this pull because Perry had shattered my frame. Perry had done it as she continues to shatter frames to this day. In fact, she does it daily, doesn't she? (laughs) Mama. Mama. Long story short, I find myself in one of these events and I find myself on a mountain in Southern California, again. I'm standing there and I look out and I ask God, the, 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 the evolution was to ask God a question. I asked God a question. I said, God, what does my family want from me? How can I do it all? And I heard it as audibly as I'm, you can hear me now. He said the following words. He said, I don't need you. I gave you your family as a gift. so that if you choose to, you can hear my voice at a greater capacity. All of a sudden, I felt myself in free fall because all of those trips, all those things, all that had been built on a story of, I'm doing it for the family. Nope, you weren't. You were doing it for your own significance. And oh yeah, by the way, God doesn't need me for my family. If I, le- if I left in front of a, I got hit in front of a bus, God can take care of my family. I gave me my family so I could hear him. And Perry and Susanna and Annie Grace had been that radio. About 12 hours later, I found myself in another place with a coach, Coach Sam Falsafi. Where in another evolution, all of my secrets, everything, everything about that I had hidden from my, that I had never told anybody was laid bare. My worst sides of me was laid bare in front of Others for the first time. And the response was not judgment. The response was, I love you anyway, through these two coaches, one of them who happened to be a Muslim. And he challenged me don't bring that home, you're forgiven. He didn't know what he was doing at the time. But it was in that moment when he specifically he sent me back into some water. He said, go back in there and don't bring it back out. And I came back out and it wasn't there. And for the first time in my life, in that moment, I felt the full weight of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen. The gate of the truth led to the truth. And so then there's this only one response to that. Once you've once I've felt that, once I've felt that that's actually a real thing, is to love him and follow him. And so I come back to John 21, and I've only got eight pages left. <laughs> so I hope y'all are here for the extended version. I'll try to be cognizant because we have team t- kids down there, but I've We got a lesson, so we're going to come back to this. But if we come back to John 21, what's the first thing that they're doing? Well, they're not at the mountain, and they're returning to what they knew before they knew him. They've just spent three years with the Savior, walking around land, seeing miracles. And what do they do? They go right back to what they were doing. We used to be fishermen. Let me go back to that. See, when I knew the Bible was true, I believed in Jesus. I believed in it. I even was baptized at Trinity Church. I believed it in my head. But I had not let go of the past significance that I was idolizing. And so my disobedience led me to the idol, of a, the feet of an idol instead of the feet of Jesus. It led me to basically go back to, being, go, to keep fishing instead of following See, what I'd have you consider is that following Jesus requires the rejection of old patterns and old behaviors and old stories that you have or had before you knew him. But it's our habit, just like Peter, to keep holding on to those things. I'm a fisherman. He had already told him, You're not a fisherman, you're a fisher of men. He didn't listen, just like we don't listen. So this is my reminding all of us, including myself, like, what, here's the question I'd leave with you, is like what, what patterns and behaviors right now in your life is Jesus waiting for you to let go of and stop repeating? Now, if you fast forward inside of this, you realize that even when this disobedience, even in this disobedience, Jesus is still with them. Not only with them, but he, came and he made them breakfast. They had been out all night fishing, got nothing. Now, if I'm fishing all night, I show up in the morning, I'm probably pretty hungry. Well, Jesus has made breakfast. Like, how nice. He's provided provision. Like selfie, like the bread and the fish. And I heard a joke about this. I'm afraid to try. I'm going to try it because Jamin sets the standard so high with comedy. You know how Jesus makes breakfast? Does anybody know how Jesus makes breakfast? How? Breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) It's John MacArthur. I stole it from him. But anyway, that's how he does it. He speaks with the word. It makes creation. He doesn't make it. It's just there. Okay. So, (laughs) (coughs) excuse me. But even in my darkest times, for me, when I look back on the story that I shared with you, I was rejecting Jesus. I rejected Him when my mother died. I rejected Him in that darkness of California. I rejected Him when I chose the idol over Him of business. Um, But He kept bringing me food. He brought me Susanna. He brought me Annie Grace. Brought me Perry brought me Aaron and brought me Trinity Church he was always still providing breakfast still providing food even when I was at the lake instead of the mountain so the question there I would leave with you is what provisions has Jesus brought to your life even when you were disobedient it's worth making a list Now, the other thing that stands out to me here is this, they cast their net and there was so much fish. And when they cast their net where they thought it was, there was no fish. They cast it where he told them to. There was a harvest of so much that they couldn't pull it in. Indeed, when we seek, though, when we seek to fish in the places where we used to get things before we knew him, we will consistently find them as dead ends eventually. And eventually we're going to learn or not. But have you consider that, like, the harvest where he tells us is so much bigger. But it's not a harvest of earthly things, it's a harvest of miracles. I started considering that because have we not seen miracles right here in Trinity Church I mean right there there's a miracle of a bounty of fish from a resurrected Jesus creating this catch but then there's a miracle of Linnea and the things she's gone through and things that Brittany and Richard have talked about where things just happen There's Perry's feet, healing. She's now the fastest four-year-old in Texas. (laughs) There's a miracle of the restoration of a marriage from impossible odds. My heart exploded when I saw that Instagram post. That coach, Coach Sam Falsafi, there's a miracle of him 17 months ago, texting me. Hey, bro. Jesus is king. (laughs) There's no going back from this, was his text. There's a miracle of a doctor, Omar Ibrahim, in Syria, hearing a podcast of mine, a world away in a war zone. And finding encouragement and then call and then te- texting me on Twitter. We prayed for him as a church. There's the two atheists that I've seen in the last six months go from I don't know anything about God to there's a hundred percent God to Christ is King. There's the 13 baptisms I've st- stood witness to in the last six months. There's a family called the Bearings that somehow. Has the capacity and grace to love on a child and the child's father as he comes out of prison. And just three months ago, there's a moment where Casey sends me a picture. So one morning, March 17th, she sends me, "Hey, this is. I just came up on my friend, uh, my my uh, my. Uh, what is it? The reminder." The memories, yes, thank you. Like the hey, the, the, on this day, this happened. She said, sends me a picture at five five night five a.m. in California where I happen to be, and I get this picture of she said, "Hey, it's your 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 baptism anniversary." That's what it was. I think that's a real word. And it was when we got baptized at, at uh, tr- or when I got baptized at Trinity Church uh, in uh, th- you know a few years prior. Little that I know. Sixty minutes later, I'd find myself on the beach in Southern California with. Coach Sam, Sam Falsafi, coming to me and saying, hey, bro, it's time to go out. What do you mean? He's like, time to get baptized. Time for me to get baptized. Who am I to make him wait, is what he said to me. See, these aren't temporal harvests. These are the harvests that are available whenever we cast our nets where he tells us. How many miracles have you witnessed? Make a list. I'm going to finish this up here real quick, kind of, maybe not. And these final questions that Jesus asked Peter, he asked him about, "Do you love me?" He says, "Do you love me more than these?" I struggle with what the these were, and some some things I studied. He said, one of the one of the sermons I heard, he said, you know, those these were the nets, the boats, being a fisherman the catch do you love me more than these and he says yes of course he asks again yes of course asked again you know I do yeah but you told me no three times I'm your you're my best buddy and you didn't stand next to me in fact you didn't even come to the cross John did that and yet he still stays with us. Following Jesus, or being loved by Jesus, and if we do love him, there's really only one response, and he tells Peter this. He says, follow me. But following Jesus has a cost. Following Jesus is frankly an offense to the world. But just like Peter, just like Coach Sam, just like me, who are we to make him wait? So what does, that, what does that following him mean for me? What does it mean for Trinity Church and my commitment relative to this conversation around eldership and what I see for the church? Number one, um, For me my commitment relative to trinity church is is number one is that the bible is central it is an infallible compass of god's will and source of daily manna it is true the end that's where we stand here number two jesus is the example he is lord full stop you need an example for something what would jesus do there's no that's actual a real thing what would he do but to follow him is to feed and tend the flock and part of that is trinity church so what do i see as vision for trinity church part of our motto should i do it tim love god love, love god. others Make disciples. Yes, okay. Make disciples. That one of the parts parts of that is make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a student, someone that is studying and learning and listening and in, ingesting that. But I would have you consider that one of the things that I feel like I'm I, I feel a call to is it is not enough to be a disciple. We've got to create apostles. What is an apostle? An apostle is a messenger, somebody that goes out and takes it out and goes into the fields. And for Trinity Church to be a recharge and equipping station for those who need to plug in here and take the power of our community and then go into fields. Again, I think about the bearings, what they do. They come here, we support them. They go into that field of foster children and men coming out of prisons, and, and our job is to support them. But what Trinity Church is great about and We have so many people that have their own fields that they're called to and they go. But we back them up. Like you said, we, that's, we just have each other's backs. And that is really the, like, that is the, the, what I believe we're, our, our mission here is, is to be that recharging station. But ultimately to create people that are bold enough to be willing to be offensive to the world. Because to follow Jesus is an offensive thing. And so there's four points that I came up with here. I'm going to wrap it up. Hang with me, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. Um, number one, for us to be willing, and for me, this is my commitment to be willing to stand in the stand in and divide with the truth. What did Jesus say in Luke twenty-one fifty-one? He said, "Do you think that I came here to give peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division." <laughs> The path that Peter and the rest of the apostles followed after they finally give up fishing becomes exponentially harder. They end terribly. They didn't have a peaceful life after that. Why? Because they were bringing the truth and they brought terrible, incredible, beautiful division to their world. Number two, to love our enemies. Matthew 5.43, what does he say? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What an offensive idea to the world today that we would pray for those that hate us or we would pray for those that have done terrible things and focus on them first. Number three, to deliver the good news everywhere, but right alongside the bad news. Right now, there's too much just good news in the way messages provided the world. They don't tell the other side of that. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, and that's the part that's left out. But the free gift of God, free gift, not one that you have to check all the boxes, not the one that you have to do a thousand of whatever for, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally, what I fear, uh, see for Trinity Church, and again, it's not a, This is not a future vision. This is right now. This already exists. Is to what they say in James James one twenty two, which is to be a community of not only hearers of the word, but doers. And I've seen that over and over and over again. So indeed, with those things we are called to do, with Jesus that we're called to follow. Who? The question I leave you with is who are you, who are we, to make him wait. Now, I have to end with this, with a thank you to Susanna. Of course, I'm gonna pull Proverbs 31. An An excellent wife, who can find an excellent wife? I can. It's more precious than jewels. Because when I know when I have trusted in you, I have no lack of gain. Indeed, I would not be standing here if you had made him wait back then. I love you with everything I have. Lord, thank you for uh, just this uh, community and this church and thank you for um, the opportunity to speak your word and um, share your word. Thank you for walking with me, as I know you've walked with so many here, whenever they were in a terrible valley and we didn't know you were there. Thank you for opening my eyes over and over again, even when I didn't look, and f- just asking me to see. Lord, I would ask that um, you bless the everyone that hears this message now or in the future, and. Um, that it serves them, that your spirit moves. We love you and thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you for this community. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.